Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast, actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. The one where we don't fight fire with fire. Fire with ice, baby. Fire with ice. You gotta gotta cancel out the elements. And shamans have not very many ice spells. I was disappointed. I have so much fire, though. Oh, my God. I'm a little sad. I just got like a shocking thing, but not a cold thing. Well, hey, you know what? You at least got something because I don't have any elemental attacks. So I'm just going to have to punch them real good. You have the ability to stun them with your fists when you remember. I mean, yeah, but we're getting to the point where, like, their fortitude saves are usually pretty good, so that rarely happens anymore. I'm, I'm sad. i do some thing. All right. Uh, Hollis is going to whip out the abjuration magics again. Well, before we start, sure. But then I've also got some fun evocation and uh, transmutation nonsense to do. Very nice. There's Very a nice. part of me that, like... I already know what's going to happen and everything, but there's a part of me that would love it if you got there and it was just like, no, it's just like three kobolds stacked on top of each other using illusion <laughs> magic that have all prepared for cold spells. <laughs> I love oh, it so yeah, much. That would actually, can we make them our friends? The problem <laughs> is the cone of cold would probably kill them. Oh, yeah, yeah. sad. Yeah, I can't remember what, it was an adventure or it was something where it was a, a dragon that had alter self and use it was I think it was a red dragon that used alter self to look like a white dragon. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> and then everyone prepares. That's pretty fire smart. <laughs> Until you do your breath weapon, everybody's gonna be like, "Hit it with fire! Hit it with fire!" That's so smart. So all of that funness aside, just a dragon wearing a hat of disguise. Yeah, <laughs> a little dragon crown of disguise. <laughs> so yeah, this is gonna be our episode one twenty two. When last we left the doorkeepers, deep. In the northern stretches of the Parched Dunes, the party had continued their exploration after recovering what appeared to be some sort of Chisisek-themed crystal power source and setting off into the desert once again in search of uh, in search of answers. They had found the... Moptet. Well, you'd found inside of the, the ruins of the Temple of... Serenre, you'd found you had found the uh, the journal of Lady Sophonia, who had informed, kind of like left a few breadcrumbs and then left this last thing saying, "Hey, I'm going to leave this here, and uh, if I don't die, I'm going to come back and get it." And you went, "Oh, well, that's unfortunate." Yeah, uh, yeah, we we can put two and two together on that and figure out what happened with a couple of clues on here's how you go to find where we're heading to possibly kill this thing. By the way, if you're decent people, maybe considering killing this thing. Yeah, we're like cool. We'll do. <laughs> Good thing well, we're going there anyway. this and not just uh, yeah, some was, like ar- it, you know archaeologist. It was uh, more or less already the plan. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> then we found a big stone. Yeah, you found a really cool lightning stone, which was overcharged with lightning and frying uh, people that got too close. Yeah, remind me in an after party that comes up to tell you what happens if you fell that, which and is that. it's pretty vicious. I bet it's bad. <laughs> it's pretty effective. And you had managed to disable that and use its power to enhance one of Citra's blades. Now I do shocky damage. Yep. I think that's the first elemental damaging weapon we've gotten in this party so far. I think so. Uh, yeah. I was expecting like a cold themed weapon sooner than this, but actually you guys don't really fight that many fire themed things. No. Segue. Yeah. Uh, until possibly today. <laughs> if right. Yep, mostly undead. So you had eventually managed to reach the ruins of Ker... Kerma. Kerma. Which I had to keep stopping myself from saying Kermorn. Maga. Kermaga. Or Kermaga. Kermorn was the... I guess I've just been playing too much Witcher recently. (laughs) I had Kermorn stuck in my head. That's probably why I spelled it like (laughs) Kermorn. But I don't know. No, there's a dash in there. We met some (laughs) Moftets. 
Yeah, you met some Moftet, including their leader, a venerable Moftet warrior named... He's very growly. Ereu. Uh, mm-hmm. He is very, He's very growly. growly. Every time you said his name, though, I kept thinking of Atreyu. Atreyu. Yes. yes. <laughs> you can never go back. never-ending story fans up in here. Yep. That's why his name sounded so familiar. <laughs> Yes. Didn't connect it. <laughs> no, it was it bugging me all the last episode. I'm like, why does that name sound so familiar? That was like the first time I played uh, the 2018 God of War. And I was like, is his son's name? I was like, no, no, it's it's Atreus, not Atreyu. Yeah. Anyway, boy, that's his name. Yeah, is boy. Honestly, his name is Boy. We all know that. <laughs> boy. Uh, the Grand Adventures of Dad of Boy. Anyway, the quick, quick aside, had, I did see a video of uh, of him doing Kr- the Kratos voice and doing dad jokes, and it was hilarious. <laughs> I need to see this. But the party had speak, spoken with uh, Areyu, who had invited the party into the ruins. You had seen that some of the uh, the Moftet, the pride of Moftet, that are occupying this place, seemed to have at one point been. Else, again, you you haven't gotten any details on exactly what's happened. As they're somewhat distrustful of outsiders, although you convinced they them that you're not cultists. They used to be in the sightless sphinx place, yes, mm-hmm. or at least near it. But they didn't really give you details on why they aren't there anymore. You're going to assume the cult. Well, we yep. assume they got attacked and were driven out. Mm. Yeah. However, they had offered to assist you in even directing you as to the location of the sightless sphinx. But in return, we got to clear some stuff out for them. Kill uh, in some, essence, some genies. Yeah, they're, they seem to have been planning on marching over there and doing some damage themselves, but first they felt that they needed to go and entreat the goddess Sekhmet, the Lady of Slaughter, for power beforehand. But unfortunately, when they showed up to the, the Shrine of Sekhmet, it was already occupied by very tall, horned, red-skinned humanoid figures, of which you believe are probably a freak. And then suddenly, Tim Curry's voice is coming out of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, a, uh, a sandstorm was descending down over the area and you had decided to hunker down here in the ruins for the evening before setting off the following day, accompanied by Areyu's daughter, the Moftet Rahi. So as we begin, following your meeting with the head of the pride of the Moftet, you were led out of his chambers across the, the open expanse outside as the sky steadily turns this darker shade of almost brown as the storm that you'd seen approaching throughout the course of the day finally begins to overtake your current location. You are led to a ruined building that judging by the large circular depressions, do you think may have at one point been possibly vats for dyes, maybe some sort of tailor's shop or seamstresses. Although now those are just filled with a small depression of sand, leaving to just drops of maybe about a foot or so with some wooden pilings left over that would have at one point been used to stir said large vats. Sand covers the floor in here, but bright colored tents have been erected around the side of the building where it has collapsed to provide some shelter and protection from the storm. The Moftet who has led you up until this point, the dark eyed and dark haired Rahi nods as she gestures you inside. It is not spacious, but should be comfortable i hope thank you looks great i will prepare myself we'll travel in the morning would you be ready to leave at dawn of course sure she makes a gesture with a hand for those of you who are worshipers of the old god you can recognize it as the symbol of horus she then turns and makes her way from the chamber there isn't really a door so much as there is a a sheet placed over the doorway where they seem to have weighted down the bottoms of it with rocks to keep it from flapping in the wind narmer opens his chest cavity provides some light 
I always hate storms. And well, it's better than being out there. Yep. What if we were buried for a thousand years? Narmer, you act like this isn't anything normal. It makes me nostal- nostalgic. Uh-huh. Nostalgic for what? Well, if it wasn't for a big storm, then Masika would have never found me. Oh, actually, the storm was gone by a point. Masika <laughs> pats him on the head. So what's our plan to deal with these genies? I mean, I'm going to have to punch them, but I don't even know if that's really effective. I mean, punching oh. most things is effective. Most. I'm going to put us some protections on, keep us away from that fire, and then, uh, I mean, Masika and I should use cold, or at least not fire, and they should be punchable. As long as it's not like punching that uh, thing in cheesy sex, thought my arm was going to turn into ground meat. Oh, no, they're squishy the way humans and stuff are. Well, probably real ripped ones, you know, with lots of muscles. <laughs> I mean, are... I know that they can grant wishes and things, but are they capable swordsmen? Uh-huh. Great. I don't think Not just they, anybody's going to uh, scare off the moth Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. So I believe you uh, you knew that they generate natural heat off of their bodies at all time, that they are capable of changing their size, that they can uh, detect magic constantly, plane shift at will, produce flame at will, pyrotechnics at will, scorching ray at will, quicken scorching ray thrice per day, invisibility thrice per day, wall of fire thrice per day, and can grant up to three wishes to non-genies only, use gaseous form and permanent image. I think we have our work cut out for us. And I forget, did they tell us how many uh, how many there were? The implication was that there was more than one. Oh, that's a lot. Okay. All right. So I think we'll be fine. If uh, if I can, if magic can keep us from taking in very much of their fire damage, then uh, they'll have to just use mundane abilities. So that kind of knocks out half their arsenal. I mean, that's, that's true. true. Well, then I suppose and let's have a good meal. Let's get some rest. Be ready at dawn. I assume, he says, turning to Hollis, that you have some spells that can deal with them or are effective. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. Just going to span banish. <laughs> <laughs> if only. A lot of you settle in for the night. It's a long evening filled with the constant blowing sound of sand. It is dark. And that if you don't provide any of your own light or magical light or light of fire or anything like that, then as the storm overtakes you outside, everything just becomes pitch black. I've got my wayfinder. The evening passes slowly. Occasionally towards the middle of the night, you hear the distant sound of singing, which seems to be coming from inside of the camp. The sound of men, women, children lifting their voices. You can tell that these seem to be, for those of you who uh, understand ancient Osiriani, which I believe is the entire party, Yes, are old prayers to horse, vanquisher of Set. All right. Whether or not these wards or prayers or whatever they are offering up help, you don't entirely know. However, by the time that most of you awake the following morning, the sound of the storm outside has passed, and you can only hear the occasional gusts opening up the flap that makes up the doorway for you leading back out. The sand's piled up to about a foot and a half outside. But other than that, you seem to have weathered the night. All right, Narmer. Tell Ta we need ice magic. Okay. Ice. Ice, ice. <laughs> Baby. Are you sure you're praying to the right god? And yeah. <laughs> Holly studies for 15 minutes, casts mage armor, and then is ready to go. Yeah, gotta give Masika an armor an hour. Got up before dawn. But you offer up your prayers to the gods, spend some time with Narmer. Hollis, you read through your spellbook. I guess I do my obedience. Yeah, do your morning obedience. 
It's time to teach some moff tat some magic. I throw a paper airplane toward a moff tat. Yeah, you haven't really been able to do that for a while because you haven't been any place yeah. with people for a while. What are you talking about? She's been tutoring to Citra this it. entire time. Hmm. Well, yeah. Citra keeps finding weird cryptic half-written spells in her bag. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> This looks like Hollis's handwriting. I think she oh, collects so cryptic them. cryptic all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, one day if you could finish the spell, bam, you know a spell. Yeah. Yep. As long as they're not love notes. <laughs> nah. Oh, yeah. Creepy, creepy notes. We've already been through that. You all perform your, your morning duties. Step outside just as the sun begins to rise. A few of the Moftet nod or at the very least give you curious looks as you make your way out towards the exit of town. Rahi is already there waiting kneeling in the sand facing towards the rising sun. All right, ready? The woman nods, stands to her feet, dusts off her knees. I'm ready when you are. It will be some time traveling. We should leave immediately. All how, right. How much time exactly? From where we are now, it's perhaps 30 miles east. Okay. I mean, I guess we're going to cast our normal spells. She'll fit in the chariot, right? She's a medium-sized creature. I didn't yeah. prepare the chariot today. Uh, then how are we getting there? I didn't think it was going to be that far away. Lesai, we have to walk. Yep. <laughs> Been a while since we've had to do that. <laughs> How many miles can you walk in a day? With reduced speed because you're going through the desert, you'd be able to cover about 16 miles. It'll take you about two days walking. Unless they have things for us to ride on. Probably not because they can fly. Yeah, they fly everywhere. We have not. I guess we would. We yeah, have not I didn't know it was going to be far enough away yeah. that I had to have horses ready. I mean, I Everything just assumed. <laughs> well, okay, so if if we say, though, that the first day we didn't know, so we walked the first day, but then you could theoretically prepare it the second day, but does that mean we're going to arrive the second day? Like, is she going to need those spells? You would arrive the second day. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the thing I wanted all of my slots, because that's a pretty high-level spell. So let's just walk the two days there, I guess. Well, we have honor and victory, and Masika has a camel. Yeah, or at least so semi-prepared. I could just double up with someone. Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah, but then what about, uh, oh gosh, I already blinked our name. She can fly. She can fly. She has a 60 foot natural fly speed. <laughs> I think she's going to be, yeah, she's going to be beating us everywhere we go. So yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about her keeping pace. To Anna and victory. Forward. Mm-hmm. Then I'll cast a spell on the camels and we'll go. Which means the camels are moving as if they're on a road. Very well. So you set off, cast your spells, hop on your camels ride dramatically through the desert. It is that effect where the sandstorm has passed through, and there are, of course, very few permanent markers in the desert. And so as you set off, the desert feels new and different. Again, like all the dunes have slightly moved, just enough to keep you off balance, unprepared. Rahi doesn't speak much. Oftentimes, she's flying further ahead from all of you, soaring up into the sky, keeping an eye in the distance. She swoops down from time to time to inform you of areas ahead where it looks like it'd be safe to stop for you to rest during the middle of the day, scouting ahead looking for some place to camp. For the most part, the Moftet seems to be a woman of few words. It's getting later on towards today when she swoops back down towards all of you as you trot along on your camels, honor and victory plodding along. What is it? Something in Oasis. Sandy. Sandy, Sandy and Oasis. The Moftet descends down, spreads her wings, beats them once sharply to arrest her her dive, sending sand scattered in every direction. Two of the camels, Sandy and Victory, spit in response. There's something up ahead, not far. What kind something. of something? Carrion, I believe. We should check it. 
All right. Our threat or our hunter? Well, if it's dead, it ain't our hunter friend. Well, I meant that our hunter friend killed it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. If it's one of them uh, big old scorpion things, probably our hunter friend did it. He's not yes. our friend. Why do we keep calling him our friend? I was wondering... Do you have a friend here? No, no not no. literally friend. A face. There's an undead hunter monstrosity somewhere in this part of the desert that uh, used to be human, I believe. Uh, we haven't seen him. No, we've just seen the aftermath. The Gertrude Lilu. Yes. Yes. Her face darkens and she simply nods, turning. I will lead you. All right. She takes this guy, leads you some distance. Eventually you crest the dune and find a sun-baked corpse lying half-buried in the desert. The body's upper torso, what remains of it, resembles that of a human man, but it's joined to the body and curling tail of a giant scorpion from the waist down. Oh. Well, there you ah, go. Ah, okay. Is it filled with bone arrows? Various bone-like protrusions yep. burst from its back. Mm. Oh, hey. It's the it's the baycock. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, Look like, around and see if there's a baycock in the sky about to shoot us with a bone arrow. I mean, Masika's going to investigate the body. <laughs> I mean, she'll go make a heel check. See if we can see what direction it went. Hollis gets a 15 to look around and see if we're about to be attacked. Yeah, I guess Sudi will also take a look and see if he can see the baycock in the sky. Masika rolls a 7, which gets her a 22 on her heel check. I roll a 4 for a 22 perception check to look for the baycock. Okay. Uh, Sudi keeping an eye out? No. I mean, it's a clear blue sky. It would be impossible for something to sneak up on you. There's no even cloud cover for something to approach from the sky. It's coming doesn't out mean the that sun. it couldn't be, yeah. Well, it also doesn't mean that it couldn't be 30 feet away on the other side of a sand dune. Yeah, That's fair, yeah. Or heck, Sudi with his experience as a, uh, a follower of Phrasma and fighting undead in the desert very well knows that it might just be buried six inches underneath the sand a few inches or a few feet away from you considering it doesn't need to breathe yep yeah mummy's mask eh? presents tremors <laughs> <laughs> i would not want to face a tremor man those are terrifying <laughs> how long is can i tell with the 22 how long he's been dead or she they checking over the the get to Lee blue you can find some th- stuff of interest what did you make on the heel check 22 you think it's probably been dead for maybe a little bit over a day and that it was dead before the sandstorm reached it. Nothing was scavenged from it. It still carries its weapons, still has its armor. The thing that you find the most interesting about it is some of the wounds that it has are, for lack of a better term, some of the wounds are non-life-threatening. Like it was playing with it? There is a single blow that was the killing blow, an arrow straight through its back and into its heart. But many of these others were purposefully shot to inflict pain and not to kill. Masika grimaces. It was playing with it. Most of these wounds are just meant to hurt it, not kill it. And then I guess it got tired of its game and shot it through the heart. Well, that makes sense because Baycocks are uh, sadistic. Well, and if it was able to fly, I don't think this thing would have been able to do anything about about that to get on even footing it's certainly not honorable what it did and it's it claimed so nothing of the kill the moftet looks over the creature curiously i'll cast detect magic is there anything of magic here that might help us there is uh what is the party getting taking 10 on a spellcraft uh 30 okay i mean that's way higher than mine so there's a, a scorpion tail whip i'll get into what that does here in a minute neat a masterwork composite longbow strength plus two 
a quiver containing 20 arrows and two plus one arrows, a small pouch containing 43 gold pieces. Uh, its armor is in need of repair. Uh, it would be, however, masterwork hide armor. This guy had bows. I don't think it mattered that the thing flat flew. <laughs> I was about to be like, wait, what? <laughs> you cannot be getting on to that other guy about his grammar when you just said that. <laughs> uh, there's also a decorative golden amulet engraved with a spiraling scorpion tail. Match my bracelet. Worth 85 gold pieces. Oh. I think you should take the whip because aren't whips non-lethal and then Citra could not have to murder people when she didn't feel like it? That Are you proficient true. with it, though? Because I think it's an exotic weapon. She's a rogue. I thought rogues got whips. I know you're proficient with sap. Anyone that wishes to make may make me a knowledge religion or knowledge local. All right. Yeah. No, no whips for you. <laughs> My knowledge religion. I rolled a four for a 20. I rolled an 11 for a 16 religion. Roll a 10 for a 21 religion. So all y'all religious people have been here, but I just rolled a nat 20 on my local for a 35. Excellent. Excellent. Of the items here, Citra, knowing a little bit about the the local customs and as well as some of the customs of the Gitterly Blue, even though you know very little of the species themselves or what they're capable of doing. This amulet, the scorpion tail designed to it is a personal effect probably is a clan signifier or family signifier. I don't is it know. one of those like dwarven things where like it would be beneficial for us to return it to them? You know, sort of. It's, it's, it's almost the equivalent of like a clan dagger or a signet ring or something like that. Okay. It's something that denotes your belonging to a family. Uh, there's okay, a so single we return that. Well, or we bury him with it. Yeah, either or. Because if you walk into a horde of people that are pretty, like, antagonistic and be like, here, we found this, they might be like, you killed them, and then stab. Maybe. There's a single word written on it. It is written in the Geertably Blue tongue, which they actually have their own separate language. We do not speak it. Nope. Does uh, does the Moftat? Rahi? Um, I don't suppose you, you speak their language by any chance, do you? No. Until recently, we had no unfortunate dealings or need to know their tongue. I mean, I found what I think is like a family amulet to denote like where they're from. Anyone that wishes to may make me a linguistics check. I will do it. I will roll poorly and I get a five for a 17. I roll a 10 for a 15. So she's already got me beat. I got a 16 for a 20. I rolled a 14. Okay. Masika and Citra can at the very least assume this word is probably a name. Whether or not this person's name or family name, you're not certain. Well, should we bury this creature with it? Your failed knowledge religion check means that none of you know what the burial customs of the Girtily Blue are. I mean, I don't know what to do. I mean, desert burial would probably be the only thing we could do at this place. I mean, it's better than letting the body out for the scavengers. True. I do not know what gods this thing worships. I mean, they may have their own gods. Let's just bury it and say thanks for asthma and move along. Or Anubis. If we don't know anything, the best. And I think we should bury it with his with it with his amulet. Um, the gear the Gear to aren't social at the best of times, and if they're being hunted by an undead monstrosity, us holding on to it's probably not a good idea. <laughs> I agree. I say mm-hmm. let's just think to rest. So I guess we'll take out some time. Um, you know. Dig a grave, put it in the grave. Wasn't he half buried already? Oh, we'd have to, yeah, we'd have to like, storm. I guess. Yeah, we'd have to like, I don't know, bury him deeper or mm-hmm. at least tilt him on his side so that he's fully submerged in the sand. Like an ice cube. So, yeah. <laughs> like an you, ice cube, I guess. You can, in fact, bury him. It does take two hours. 
So okay. it'll basically be sunset uh, by I the think time it's you're worth done. It. Yeah. Yeah. Masika will say some prayers to Anubis. And Sudi will cover for Rasma. Nethus doesn't care if he doesn't cast spells. He might have cast spells. You don't know anything mm. about him. Doesn't look like a spell cast. He could have been an arcane archer. How mm. dare you assume his magical capabilities? Mm. <laughs> his bow's too fancy. Just saying. <laughs> judgy, judgy. By the time you're a, a high level spellcaster, you really don't use your mundane weapons. Yeah. Unless you go into our, like arcane archer or arcane trickster. But then he wouldn't yeah. need a magical arrow because isn't the whole deal is applying your spells to your arrows? Yeah, but you can only do that so many times a day still, just like spell yeah. casting. I guess. I'm just saying, I don't want to be in trouble with Nethys because I prayed for some guy that doesn't cast spells. I think we got it covered with the other three. Yeah, y'all are good. That's true. I don't do anything mean. I just don't do a prayer to Nethys. You provide moral support. Sure. So as far as the scorpion tail whip that you found is... It is a, uh, interestingly enough, it's a weapon with a moderate divination aura on it. Ooh. Oh, really? Uh, the lash of this whip is made of countless tiny chitinous plates interlocked to form an articulated cord tipped with sharp blades. Cool. A scorpion tail whip is a plus two scorpion whip, which means it does lethal damage instead of non-lethal damage and oh. also deals <laughs> damage even if someone's wearing armor. Wow. Um, it can strike with incredible speed. While holding the scorpion tail whip, the wielder gains a plus two insight bonus and initiative checks. Oh, oh cool. Well, This is provided that the first attack on the first round of combat is made with the scorpion tail whip. If the wielder switches weapons or makes an attack with another weapon before attacking with the scorpion tail whip, they do not gain the initiative bonus. Their initiative position drops by two. Whoa. So, yeah, it's kind of fun. Huh. So how much is that worth just for the record? Uh, 12,305 gold. Whoa. Wow. Wow. I don't think anybody has proficiency with a whip anyway. Could have had so many cool things. Yeah, anyway, but that doesn't feel like citrus style, though. Like to use If it whip. was non-lethal, that would have been really yeah. cool. Because if, yeah. If it was non-lethal, lethal, yeah. that would have been better. She could have gotten her Indiana Jones on. I feel like Narmer spends a while playing with this whip because that seems like then, something Narmer would do. I feel like he almost hits himself with it, and that's when you snatch it away. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. I suppose the party spends two hours burying this figure. I imagine taking everything else from him, but leaving him with his amulet. Yeah. yeah. Very well. At that point, I imagine you probably just travel a short distance and then set up a camp for the evening. Because it's weird to yep. camp by a corpse. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a little awkward. I'm sure Hollis probably summons the bubble. Nope. Don't have nope. space for that today. Oh, we're actually pulling the tents out tonight, guys. She oh, looks man. miserable. <laughs> Good thing we still have those. We didn't just say, oh, well, Hollis has got this and throw them in the sand. Well, she would have definitely prepared it if we had thrown those away. She looks miserable. She sits in the sand under a tent that's not hers because she doesn't have a tent. Sad for you because Sudi's only got a pup tent, so Sudi's by himself. She cuddles you real, real close. No, no, no. You don't get to cuddle Sudi. This is Sudi's <laughs> private space. <laughs> no, Sudi, you don't even sleep. Actually, oh, that's a good point. I only <laughs> sleep like two hours, so I don't really even need it that long. It's cool. <laughs> but Rahi simply perches where she or sits, basically, whenever everyone starts setting up tents and wraps her wings around her. We have made good that's time handy. today. Yeah. So were you there the first time that your people fought? Yes. She gives you a smile. What can we expect? <laughs> they are strong and skilled warriors. They are honorable. Most time. They, she furrows her brow as if trying to search for words. They believe in power. They believe that the strongest should survive. If a Girtudli Blue grows old or frail or sick and cannot keep up with his clan, they are left. 
Wait, is she telling us about the scorpion people or the, the scorpion people? I thought you were asking about the scorpion people. I apologize. Oh yeah, no, we were did- we were talking about the Afridi. Oh, never mind. Yeah, didn't they fight the Afrit? They did also. She also fought the scorpion people before, so anyway. Oh, well, then we'll question that and then question about the Afrit. i just fighting everybody up here. Be specific. I thought it was. Brain's not working. I suppose as your look of confusion, you, you meant the scorpions, yes? Um, I meant the Afrit, but knowing about the, the Gertoli Blue is just as good. When did you fight them? I mean, I know they're not exactly friendly, but... Usually they're not that antagonistic. They came with the cultists. Oh, great. Ah. So the cultist does have their ends with them right now. Which is interesting because they've never seemed to really make strong alliances. They would have to be, I mean... Ensorcelled? Well, with Kabek it made sense, right? Because he was had the capability to get a couple of creatures on his side. But that's a whole tribe of creatures. It's a lot. Well, Kabek may not have been the only one with those abilities. Uh, we, no, and it's not necessarily magic either. They could maybe there's something that they have that the Girtalidu wants. Quid pro quo. Or there's just a force of personality. All of the above. <laughs> I do Hollis not know what says motivates with like them. an undertone of like the personality is in my friend, remember? <laughs> yeah. We got you. We we exchanged the look of knowing. Okay. I do not know what motivated them. Once we traded with them from a distance, they guard ancient places and treasures. We share that in common, but they have a different belief. They're, they have a, she struggles with the word again, probably looking to Sudi to get a translation from Sphinx before turning back to the group. A zeal, an obsession for religion, if you will. They serve their long forgotten deities preserving their names and holy rituals. They are led by two, a man and a woman. They are family, although whether by blood or arrangement, I do not know. And and they drove you from your home near the Sightless Sphinx? Her brow furrows. She stares off towards the moon for a long time. They played a role. Three things drove us from our home. They were one of them. The golden masks were a second. Betrayal was a third. Betrayal. Betrayal. Betrayal? It is not my place. My father should tell you. Well, if it's going to help us in this fight to come, I think we need to know. Against the Ifrit? No. I cannot speak ill of him. Not... So one of your people turned on you? Not to outsiders. Please understand, it is not my place or our custom. It's understandable. My father is in charge and he will decide what information to trust you with. So how did the cult interact with the Girtilivlu? Did they look like they were sending them in as shock troops, cannon fodder kind of thing, or were they partners? What cannon fodder? Where did you hear Actually, that? I, I shouldn't have said cannon fodder. As soon as I said it, I was like, Sudi wouldn't know what cannon fodder is. <laughs> shock troops, though. We were driven from the place once, the sightless sphinx. We returned, but it is inhabited now. This Girtilivlu are a... The first line of defense, if you will. They are muscle, but the brain is hidden. So someone else is controlling. Well, if they like to live in and guard holy places, and the sightless sphinx is a holy place that the Moftet used to live at, if the cultists drove the Moftet out and needed help, just tell the gear to Libru, when we're done here, you can stay here. Why wouldn't they help? Yeah. 
So it sounds like they made an arrangement. But they seem to guard places that are important to their lost deities, which, while it could be this place, if we think about Tedesura's riddle, that had to do more with the the Black Sphinx than the... I mean, there was a great battle or whatever with the Scorpion Lady, but it seemed to be a place dedicated more toward the other system. I feel like there's probably a part of the story that we're missing. I mean, given the fact that I don't imagine that they cooperate well with outsiders, there must be something driving them to want to associate with, you know, the cult. So whether that's magic or that's some kind of beneficial partnership, it have to be something great to get them to want to work with them and potentially be willing to die for them. It is possible that this was a place of importance to them. I have never set foot inside the Sphinx. None of my people have. We kept it safe, and we kept others safe from it. Wait, others safe from it? We what know does there's that a great darkness there. Mm-hmm. That's why the Serenre paladins were going there. Serenre. Mm-hmm. A new a goddess, goddess of the sun and good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good. she's good aligned. Well, I mean, but... Weren't the Serenites or whatever the ones that, like, do the... No, that's why Masika said good, like, with air quotes, good in the tone. Well, it's a a very complicated relationship because the Serenites were responsible for the destruction of the old temples of the gods. But the Serenites were also responsible for the restoration of the old temples of the gods. Yeah. A it couple thousand years faction. later. So, <laughs> yeah. It depends on what faction, what time period you're looking at, whether or not they're the ones involved with the political, the politics of the time, or if they were the ones that were involved with the strictly religious bent of it. Because there were a lot of people that said that they worshipped Ray in positions of political power, but they actually were just pursuing their own power and using the church for their own ends. I do not know about these sun worshippers. Our tribe has lived there since the time of my father's father. And his father before him. Although before that, we lived elsewhere. Where did you live before? Like, was there a specific reason that you came to the Sightless Sphinx? Challenges are not uncommon. And if a family should challenge the ruling family of the pride and lose, then they must find a new home. One day, someone will challenge my father. And if they win, then they shall be in charge. So it doesn't just pass thing like that unless you were to challenge your father? Potentially. My father, for his age, is still very strong. Oh, I believe it. Although, she furrows her brow again. This betrayal cut deep. It was a blow he could not shield himself from. I'm sorry to hear that. May I ask you a favor? Sure. You are to go to the Sightless Sphinx, yes? That is our plan. Mm -hmm. If you see any like me there, ensure that they don't return. I understand. They have chosen their course. And you have chosen yours. Unfortunately, if they've sided with the cult, it doesn't say very much about them. If you lose yourself, as all those who have entered the Sphinx do... Um, what? Masika looks up. <laughs> we will provide as merciful of a death as possible. What, what do you mean, you, lose yeah, yourself? Ex- excuse me, what? Made the music, the dude. Become different, other. Probably corrupted. Probably taken over from whatever dark powers reside within the Sphinx. Additional Wonderful. limbs is not uncommon. Well, really? Seriously? People grow extra arms or legs? It has been seen, although uh, not often. Additional limbs? That makes me think that that might have something to do with Lamesh. Well, possibly. Didn't we already think there was a connection there? Well, she ate the like, heart of the girl and she birthed the Sphinx, so yeah. 
Oh, we're getting back to this. Yes, yes, I'm back to my... Let me pull out my wire. Not my wire. Let me pull out a string. (laughs) Opens his chest cavity and pulls out some string. I've got some here. (laughs) How long have you been keeping that in there? I've been keeping it with that scorpion I've been holding. You still have that scorpion? Well, we we determined that they could live for months without food. But that doesn't mean you should keep him in there and not feed him. Oh, okay. Anybody have some scorpion food? Maybe. I don't know what they eat. Scorpions tend to hunt. Okay. He yeah, pulls out the scorpion. Sorry, Stinger. Goodbye. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he named it. I hope you do well with your new radioactive powers. <laughs> <laughs> and thus, Scorpion Man was would be shortly born. A faintly glowing scorpion skitters off into the desert. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that means he's just going to get eaten quick. Because he's glowing. He'll be fine. He can shoot lasers well, now. Well, no, he's gonna no. sting. He's gonna sting some poor traveler, and it's gonna make Scorpion Man. Does whatever a Scorpion can. Oh Isn't God. that what the cure to Lee Blue are? Person. Is that how they became like something? A previous oh armor? Uh oh. Hmm. He's gonna make a new a new race. He's gonna make them three quarters Scorpion and only one quarter man. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, he's just a Scorpion with a head of a man. Yeah, pretty, pretty much horrifying still. Yeah. Uh, all right. Okay. So, yeah. Narmer, what else you got in there? Masika starts gl- picks him up and glances around <laughs> his chest cavity. They just shake him gently and just stuff our. I've got in. some lint, <laughs> some some roasted almonds. Um, I got this rock. It's cool looking rock. <laughs> some other stuff. N- Narmer. Tarantula hairs. You know, it says something that he's as stealthy as he is with all of that rattling down inside of him. Yeah, sure. We should get like a little bandolier for me to put on my inside. <laughs> no. Masika starts pulling stuff out of his chest cavity. Just, just grab my legs, turn them upside down, and shake them. <laughs> <laughs> you get a little can of compressed air, you like squirt it in there, and all the dust comes flying out. <laughs> this stuff could get stuck in your gears. That's true. Also, don't forget to wind me. Oh, we've been over this. Yep. Constant whining. The Moftat just stares off into space as all this is going <laughs> on. Wraps her wings a little closer around her. So, all right. We are going to the shrine of Sekhmet that have been taken over by Ifrit. Now, th- were the Ifrit always there or were they summoned by something? Or how does this work? We do not and know. how many of them are there? There were at least three. At least. I love that. I do not know if there are still three. Three of three. Then we also now the sightless sphinx. How far is the sightless sphinx from the shrine of Sekhmet? We'll be going I back to town before that, I imagine. So we don't have to worry about the gear to Liblu until we're going to the sightless sphinx where the cult. Well, is it seems like they're still out here. I mean, Masika mm-hmm. gestures to in the direction of the one we just buried. Although for was- now they're being hunted, so. Is that a, bes- a blessing or a something else? It means that we're else? probably going to have to face this Baycock. I mean, we need to anyway. It's an undead creature and it needs to be destroyed. If we cross paths, we'll deal with it. I think we should not worry about crossing paths with it until... I said if. That's what I mean. Like, I'm agreeing with you. That's, oh, okay. That's It's not really priority. We can hunt it down when we finish this whole other hullabaloo. Exactly. <laughs> the late unpleasantness. Before any of this happened, to my understanding, this place was... Sacred to the Amurun. Oh. She points her finger at Sudi. Amurun. My people. Which means they got scared off, maybe? Possibly. So, Rahi, um, 
what is your fighting style exactly? Like how, how do you engage with... I prefer to fly, swoop down on my foes, and strike them. She okay. reaches down her hands to the scimitars that she wears on either hip. Right. Cool. I have some magic, but nothing to attack with. Spells to increase my speed. That will help, though. Protect me from evil. Enchant my weapons. As she states this, she traces her fingers along various tattoos on her arms and shoulders. Tattoo magic, so cool. How we get one of them there, tattoos? It's not something we share with outsiders. We receive our first tattoo on the day of our first naming. She taps the one basically in the center of her chest over her heart. It wards and protects us. She taps seemingly the air next to her where you can see a faint distortion as it hits something. Oh. In essence, they're under the effects of a permanent mage armor spell. Wow. Very cool. That's cool. Now that'd be nice. I'm skilled at stealth and infiltration. I've hunted these lands for a long time. I prefer to approach by night. Once we make our attack, we could perhaps bring light, but I cannot fly up to them stealthily during the day. Nurmer nods. Yeah, that tends to be a problem. Oh, I could scout ahead. No. Okay. You're probably not against these ones. I mean, I can see in the dark, and so can Narmer, so... Well, aren't you all special? Double check this uh, Sudi's low-light vision. He can see somewhat in the dark. Oh, well. But yes, I will need to get close to our enemies to fight them. As well, most of them. Yep. Well, then I suppose we should get some rest, pair what we can prepare for. Hope that we only have the afraid to deal with. (laughs) Well, we'll see. We'll find out. Yay. Ugh. I always have stories of a freight, but I've never actually had to see one myself. You know I'm not going to sleep right now, right? Don't you have to sleep for two hours? For two hours, yes. All right, well, I'm going to go to sleep in your tent then. Thank you, hon. And she goes and sleeps. (sighs) Sudi sighs. (laughs) There's a brock brocking from Sugar, who also says thank you. (laughs) And just waddles into the tent. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Sudi. You can't understand me. (laughs) Just waddling off. By now. Yeah. Faintly glowing. Because she ate the scorpion. Oh, <laughs> I swear. I it was God. delicious. That's why she's out of the satchel. She slipped away with her little chicken self. Goodness. Gonna make some kind of scorpion chicken hybrid. She just glows. Oh, Here you go. See if I can't take some of that catfish magic. Still the power for herself. The eternal struggle between the familiars continues. Very well, you rest up for the evening. Rahi sits up for some time with Sudi. The two of them riddle. Masika cleans out Narmer's like internal cavity and promises him she'll buy him a little backpack because she doesn't need stones and almonds and scorpions getting stuck in his gears. Oh no, my button collection. (laughs) I mean, she doesn't throw it away. She just puts it in her pack for now. What if we needed these buttons or these screws? I collected them. What if we need them? Well, I have them, but I don't want them rattling around in you. Okay. Yeah, what if they get stuck in a gear and then suddenly you can't fly anymore? Uh, that would be pretty crappy. She's only looking out for you. It's yeah, true. I basically just treat my chest cavity like that drawer you have in your house. Just like, I know these parts are left over from making a desk, but I don't know what else to go to. So I'm going to keep them anyway. <laughs> I've got at least four Allen wrenches. <laughs> I don't know what they go to anymore. <laughs> Anything you buy from Ikea? <laughs> yeah. Next time we go to the Ikea Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> I need some new Kalenex bookshelves. Yeah, the party rests for the evening, awakens the following morning, I imagine sets off, prepares your spells. Uh, go ahead and actually, actually, during the evening, go ahead and have, Sudi, go ahead and have uh, 
Make me a perception check. Great. I roll an 11 for a 29. Very well. At one point later on, on the in the evening, as it begins to approach closer to dawn, you do very distantly hear this horrifying howling scream. Yay. Pleasant. But other than that, the evening passes uneventfully. Well, that's not worth waking everybody up over, so... So do you make sure to mention that at the in during the breakfast, uh, you know, pre-preparation. Did it sound like it was closer than before? That's a good question, voice in the sky. Uh, it still sounded distant, but you're not entirely positive how distant. If I think we've got some time. All right, everyone. I'm gonna mage armor myself, and then as soon as we get close-ish, we're gonna all huddle up. I'm gonna give us all our resist energy fires. I did a communal one. We can split. We can split the duration, so we have to be fairly close when I cast it. And you're at resist twenty. Mm-hmm. I'll give it to our new friend too. Nice. So I'll get like twenty minutes, I think, if I've split that correctly. Twenty minutes. We're gonna have to charge right in then. Well, I was gonna wait until like we, this place was in sight. Oh, okay. Okay, that's worth. Because I was like, if you cast it now, we're never. Get, it's gonna be gone by the time we get there. Well, that's why I said when we get there, I cast mage and armor on are myself. We, are we doing a night attack? I mean, I would assume so, considering that was the strategy that she said was... We can do a pre-dawn situation. (laughs) To to be fair, they did a night attack probably previously, and that didn't seem to work out so great for them, so... That's fair. Um, Also, she can fly by herself if she wants to, but that's not going to be great for her, so, I mean, we're going to be walking. I thought that she was supposed to, like, only help us if we asked her to help us, which we haven't done. Am I misremembering that? I think she's going to help us. I thought the whole okay. reason she came with us was... Well, I think she's also supposed to be witnessing us. You know, Sudi, you were charged with keeping her safe. Yeah, exactly. So I don't really want her flying into combat where she could get hurt. Yeah, so we'll just go to normal time and she can hang out with me, the squishy one in the back. Okay. Just a reminder that she has no ranged options. Give her one of those bows. We've got Not bows. Not proficient. Really? What? They have a racial. She has no class level. She has a racial proficiency with scimitars because they're trained from birth, but no proficient with a, a no proficiency with other martial weapons. Wow! So she, they do all their hunting and everything with like a scimitar or bare hands. To give you an idea of their ability, is uh, they get a raptor dive where they can more or less do a uh, a charge at double its fly, uh, double their flying speed, descending, and get a full attack upon reaching their target. Wow. Okay. It is insane. Basically, it is pounce. Yeah. <laughs> Wowzers. Okay. Well, okay. she can fight um, then until she gets hurt. <laughs> she has resist fire 20. Well, I imagine you'll cast that once you get there. So. Yep. You all set off. Make your way. Travel overland for some time. It's later in the afternoon, not approaching sunset, but you'd say maybe three or four in the afternoon. The sun's still beating down on all of you. I imagine you're still casting all of your spells for Ender Elements? Yep. Yep. Okay. Just making sure since you were going full bore combat stuff. Oh, no, I didn't. didn't I don't have that prepared today. Well, Masika has it cast on herself because she prepares one every day for her. (laughs) Unless it's a second level spell and then I could easily prepare it because I don't have, I have one open slot. I think Endure Elements is a first level Endure Elements is first level. But communal? It's second level, so I will just use that slot. Problem solved. We are enduring. Keep in mind that you you get 24 hours and you can divide it in duration of one hour increments amongst the creatures touched, so... Everyone but Masika, so all the rest of you get eight hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. But I just looked up all the heat stroke rules. Uh, no. Oh, well. I'm <laughs> so disappointed Nuts. tonight I get to use the heat stroke rules. I don't want to roll dice for that. I mean, basically, it would mean that all of you would be going into that fight 
fatigued quite probably, but... Uh, sad. Don't want that. (laughs) That sucks hardcore. You travel through most of the day, navigating your way closer and closer to the Pillars of the Sun. The mountains take up most of the eastern horizon as you begin to approach closer towards them. Although now with the sun fully behind you in the west, you can see them in stark contrast lit by the, the shining light of the sun. This reddish expanse of stone stretching up into the heavens. Citra, I imagine, looking off somewhere towards the south, wondering if Falto is somewhere nearby. Yep. So that's where he was headed. Fortunately, with your guide, you find their, this location without too much trouble. Weathered stone walls, still solid despite obvious years of wear, stand strong and tall amongst the desert mountain peaks. The tips of green palm fawns just show over the top of the walls, suggesting a courtyard within, and a three-story circular tower rises from one corner of the compound. There's an odd air of emptiness that hangs over this place as you begin to approach up the valley towards it. This is it. Do we wish to attack at night or now? Might as well go now. Yep. So, is there like a wall surrounding this area? Like, what's the best way in? Like, uh, you're approaching it currently from the south. There does appear to be a seven foot tall gate. Just looks to be a wooden gate in the middle of the southern wall as you begin to approach it. Other than that, all the walls appear to be about 15 feet high. It looks like the walls surround the entirety of the compound. Is the gate closed? It is closed. Can I mage hand to open the gate? So, you're heading straight up towards the gate. I think mage hand's a close range spell. And you can only move five pounds. Well, it depends on how heavy the door is. Well, yeah, how much is it counterweighted, basically? I mean, I can do it from 50 feet away because it's 25 plus 5 divided by 2. What? Wait, what? I forget what close. There's math it's involved. It's 25 plus 5 feet for every two levels. Yes. So it would be 5 times 5, which is also 25. Yeah, so you had it right, 50 so feet. So 50, yeah. You looked at me like I was crazy. still surprisingly close for this. Well, the way, way they were saying that was not right, so. Because I was thinking. You said like five divided by five, and I was like, what? Five times 10 divided by two. It was either so like did, a wall so, scaling option or. So did you guys just like fly over, I guess? Yes. What does the inside look like? There's a courtyard inside. There's an oasis, a bubbling spring, some trees, two buildings. I don't suppose you happened to see how the gate opened when you were in there. No. Hollis, can you cast invisibility? Yes, if I had it prepared, which I don't. All right, so... Once we approach, it is unlikely that we won't be immediately noticed. They had guards stationed before. So either we need to scale the wall, or one of us scales the wall and opens the gate for us to come in. But either way, that's... I mean, I can scale the wall easily, but I don't know if I'll be able to get down and open the gate before I'm discovered. That's, That's why I was kind of worry. hoping Hollis had invisibility, because Narmer could fly over the wall and open it. Not today. Also, my lift overhead is really low. Also, you have I mage think. hand at will. Why don't you just karate chop the door open, Sudi? Uh, yeah, but if it's if it's bar to bar, it's going to be more than five pounds. Uh, also, also, technically, mage hand would require line of sight, so if there's a bar on the inside of the gate, you couldn't mage hand it anyway. Well, I didn't know if there was going to be a bar, but I think that you should karate chop it. Uh, so karate chopping it, how thick does this door look? That's... Okay, to, to clarify, you are all having this conversation from about 500 feet away from this building. Yeah. I, if you want to approach closer, feel free. Although, again, you don't know if that there's someone watching the approach. All you can tell is that there's a wooden door in the southern face that you're approaching. Well, and that's the thing. Right. There's somebody already watching it. Here's what we do, oh, our no. favorite thing that we always do. Dimension You want door. to teleport this in? Oh. 
I mean, that would give us the element of surprise. But isn't that our get out if something goes wrong? If we got to get out, we better figure a different way out because I don't got a second one, but I do got one. I'd rather you keep that one. Well, then I got nothing for you, Sudi. So if you're going to try to get my link to climb up this wall, you know that's not going to go well. no, I could climb up and drop a rope. Uh, how how are you going to assault. climb up a wall and drop a rope without their guard seeing you and you being alone on the exactly. other side? Exactly. How many guards were there? We were oh, yeah. attacked by three. They said so three. There's all, so three. Well, I didn't know if it was three Ifrit and that they had some some underlings or if it was just them or what. Oh, nobody this was month ago now, so there may be more there. They do not come from this place. From what I understand, they come from a world of fire and pain. Mm-hmm. They may have brought more of their own. Okay. Um, normally, I'm against this kind of thing, but I'm usually I, I'm actually on board with Team Dimension Door just in. All right. Hey. I mean, it I mean, would give right. us the element of surprise. We just need to make sure that if we do see the gate, we can get out. If we do not sneak up, they do have the ability to fire beams of flame from their palms. They would attack us at great range. So, um, well, I mean, how far is the and dimension? And at will. Hopefully they, they can't do enough damage to overcome much of that resist energy, but we'll see. I'm going to cast it as soon as we've decided what we're doing. Um, I mean, I'd rather keep the ability for us to get out, but, I mean, if we got to do it, we got to do it. Because, yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. We're not going to sneak up on these guys unless we go at, at, in the dark without any lights. Or- Which means half of the party is not going to be able to see. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a problem. That's, yeah, especially because it's the melee side. Because it's outside under stars and moonlight, you would have dim illumination. So you'd have a 50% mischance. Yeah. Uh, or, sorry, not yeah. 50. You'd have a 20% mischance. But dim illumination is low light with Sudi's low light vision. He can see it's Citra is technically the only one that couldn't, yeah. but still not yeah. good. But if there's any mischance, she doesn't get sneak attack. Mm, yeah. Uh, no. The oh. traditional oh, no. rogues, yes. Unchained oh, rogues, yeah, they remove right, that. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Either way, if I can't see, it's going to ha- be hard to sneak attack. <laughs> just Anyway, let's mean, just go. All right. So we are Resist going to fire. go for the uh, surprise attack. Okay. Excellent. Resist fire. Do you want to come with us or do you want to fly in? If you can bring me, we might as well stay close. I'll take to the air once I arrive. Can she I whispers, her? trailing her fingers along the edges of her blades as both her tattoos on her uh, the back of her forearms begin to glow. How fast are we going to make this fight? I mean, the faster, the better. Generally speaking. My most powerful magics will last for a little less than 10 minutes. You're so big. I, I hope it's over time. in 10 minutes. <laughs> but I we must clear the entire big. complex. I don't know how yeah. big it is. I can only bring three people with me. So the party. Right. Yeah. But I can't take her also. Okay, so she's oh. going to have to fly in, which is essentially problematic. But if we're drawing enough attention, they shouldn't even see her. I mean, we could provide the distraction, which means you could swoop in and... She eyes the distance. I could close that in under half a minute. All right, so... Game mechanically, that's us saying that she won't be in for five rounds. That's probably fine. Uh, It's actually, she could make it in three if she was quadruple moving. Yeah. They're actually very... They're they're clumsy maneuverability, but they're actually very fast flyers. They just can't turn very well. So you're going to see a purple flash, and when you see the purple flash in the courtyard, that's us, and uh, you should head on over. Very well. I'll be there as soon as I can. Anybody have any other spells they want to cast before we go? What's your... I've got protection from energy for me, but if you're casting resist, I think yours is better. It's 20. 
20, yeah. Because mine's the take off the damage, the hit point damage one. Yeah, but it means that if you layer them, anything that the resist doesn't catch, the production will. All right, you have to so reverse that. Protection oh. always supersedes resist. Yep. Oh, then never mind. It's not any good. Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, it does guarantee that she gets hit with some really heavy duty stuff. Then it's going to burn through the protection first. But yeah. All right. I, mean, I have it if things go completely sideways. But yeah. Um. Okay. So I don't think Masika's casting anything. Then let me double check. I don't know. Bark skin or I don't any of those buff spells. Buff him if he got him. I considered haste, but I'm going to wait till we're in combat. No, Masika's Fair. good. Oh, yes, these Alchemist fires I have will come in very handy in this fight. <laughs> holy waters. Throw holy waters. <laughs> I don't think that's going to help either. All right, Hollis stretches. Got to limber up. And then Division Door. I'm sure this is going to go just fine. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong Swimming with this plan? Me. Where are you trying to position yourself? I'd like to be in the middle of the courtyard. Oh, we're <laughs> just going to go straight oh, in the middle? Really? Okay. We're drawing attention so our friend can fly in without getting shot. I know. I guess. Yeah, and then we'll, we'll immediately try to run for cover, but yes, I guess right in the middle. Okay, all right. This seems like we're going to draw a lot of attention. That's what's... That's Literally what everything that's here. Hollis, you, Chant and Tone, a purple door appears ahead of you. You grab onto the shoulders of your compatriots and push them through the door. The world disappears in a flash of purple. Again, it's not like teleportation magic where there's that weird disconcerting sensation. It's literally like walking through a doorway, kind of like a beaded curtain. As you step through, I imagine you know, all of you stepping through simultaneously, there is this disconcerting sensation. As I imagine Hollis probably angled it up a little bit, just kind of factoring in for the different level of the ground. So you drop a couple of inches. As you step forward, you drop half an inch, hit something, and then keep dropping ah! as you suddenly splash into the middle of an oasis in the center of this courtyard, sinking pretty much over your head as you drop into the water before splashing your head back above the surface of the water. To be fair, I didn't know that the uh, water was in the center of the courtyard. <laughs> did did she tell us that there was? I she told you there was an she... oasis in there. <laughs> Masika's like, ooh, I have a swim speed. <laughs> I, I did not factor You break the surface in. of the placid pond in the center of this courtyard, surrounded by its lush green palm trees and hmm. piles of bleached bones. Wonderful. Sun-warmed sand fills much of the rest of this courtyard. In one corner, you can see a stretch of blue and white striped canvas, which casts a patch of shade over a couple of wooden chairs beneath it. A rectangular building sits off to one corner. A circular tower rises over the other corner. And off to the side, you see this long, sleek, large figure as this sleek dragon with malted desert scales stands up to its feet, turns its long serpentine head towards the party, spreads its massive wings and roars. And I will need initiative from the party. <laughs> Did anybody sense motive these Moftet to make sure they weren't sending us uh, to our death? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a little <laughs> betrayed at the moment. Speaking of betrayal. I speak draconic. Maybe I can talk to this dragon. We just interrupted its pool time. What color was the dragon? It is the mottled mottled color of sand. Uh, also, as it's probably pertinent, it has uh, no forelimbs. It just has two oh. large back limbs and then wings sprouting from its shoulders. It's oh, so, so it's, it's like a worm. It's like wyvern. a desert drake wyvern. or something. Wyvern. Yeah. Hollis thinks about the drake egg in her bag. Hmm. Oh my gosh, it's still in there. 
Yeah, yes. It is. yes, it is. Totally forgot that was still in there. I thought that we could see the center of the courtyard, and I thought that it was just sand. Um, no, there's 15 foot tall walls. Ah, whatever. It's fine. We're wet. I mean, it's hot. Masika has a swim speed. She's fine. I don't, but also, like, eh, we'll be okay. This is how someone drowns. Well, if I drown, <laughs> you know, I'm coming back as a druid of Wajet, and uh, <laughs> it's going to be rad. I'm going to take this Drake as my familiar, or my animal friend, or whatever, and then, like, wreck. But hopefully that doesn't happen. Yep. Okay, yep, yep. Ser- ser- seriously, we could have gone almost anywhere else this time. <laughs> that have been fine. <laughs> Rick was just waiting on this. That's what I oh, no, wanted. He was totally it, letting it us was walk a, it was a this. pleasant surprise for me. Thank you. <laughs> Goodness. You know what? It's hot AF, and like we're just having a little pool party. It's cool. It's cool. Maybe I'll talk some sense into this Drake. I speak Drake, Draconic. Anyway, Draconic. 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 Is what yeah, they call Drake it down here it. in the south. It's, it's in the, the Draconic. 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 I'm just gonna point this out. I'll leave this in the episode even. Looking up a desert drake for me to get a pawn to put on there on the uh, the roll 20. I like that the first thing that pops up is Nathan Drake in the desert. <laughs> and I really just wanted to take a picture of Nathan Drake and blow him up to large size and put him off this. Well, because when you described it as like there's this canvas and there's some chairs, I thought somebody was having a beach party. Yeah, like it is Nathan Drake. He's just big and he has teeth. Yeah, big old Drake. Yeah. Big old Nathan Drake. His name's Nathan. (laughs) It is now. It is now. (laughs) Definitely is now. Let me put Pathfinder on the front of this just so I can get a proper Drake. Rick, just put Nathan Drake down. I'm serious. (laughs) Literally anywhere else. Yes. If you had said on the other side of the gate, then fine. That's actually what I was expecting you to say. It's like just on the other side of the gate. I was going to be flashy. The, the, the The worst part. Is none of us corrected you? <laughs> none of we were all just like, okay, that's fine. We didn't I, although know. I do, I do get a small. I told you so to be like, this seems ill-advised. This is great. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna point out my voice of hesitation where I was like, oh, in the middle. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you were not saying that because the oasis was there. No, well, I was no, saying it because it's the in oasis the was there. middle. I was trying to draw attention. No one so that our the oasis, especially the Spanish oasis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. We're all wet. You're welcome. I'm sure Masika's like, this is a pleasant surprise. Being an undine, I'm sure she loves water. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, oh, hey, The rare chances you get to experience We'll kill this drake and we'll just have a, like, chill over here in the uh, oasis. We're not like, oh, no, and then he sinks immediately. Yeah, we'll have some beers or whatever. Whatever (laughs) people do at pool parties, I don't know. It's been so long. The fun fact is Narmer can't fly underwater, so he just sinks like a stone. He's only 10 pounds. Mm. Yeah, he can just sink to the bottom. He doesn't have to breathe. Yeah, walk. and so you can just walk out, but it's just funny to think, like, Narmer's, like, walks through this portal, and it's like, cool, uh, and then now he's just like... Well, he's usually like, on, know. like, Masika's shoulder when combat and stuff is going to happen, so I figure that's he's just clinging onto her for, like, oh, God, I don't want to sink. <laughs> well, goodness, this is super fun. What a surprise. I'm also, very excited. distinct lack of a freak so far. I know, what the heck's this dragon doing here? Well, Drake. So combat begins... Uh, Hollis, what is your initiative? Hollis rolls an 18 for a 25. Sudi Contour? Sudi rolls a 7 for a 10. Masika of the Beckon? Masika rolls a 19 for a 22. Citra Nahamra? Citra rolls a 12 for an 18. So I'm going to run this the same way as I ran our last surprise uh, dimension door fight. (laughs) 
which is that uh, fortunately Hollis actually got the highest initiative again. <laughs> hey! Uh, so everyone else was in essence delaying, waiting for Hollis to cast her spell, of what she did, dimensioning toward the party through. That was her uh, surprise attack round action to bring the party in, meaning that Masika, you splash down into the water, wade your way up. The water appears to be uh, where you're standing. The water is about five feet deep. It's still over Masika's head. Poor sure. Masika. Uh, looking over, yeah, there's a uh, there's a drake there. Oh, there are two there. levels to this place. Looking over, you can see that there's a drake between the palms uh, about 15 feet away from you. There is also a uh, tall, red-skinned, horned figure uh, sitting on the edge of the battlements on top of the nearby two-story structure who kind of looks curiously over his shoulder like, uh, that was weird, and starts to get up to his feet. He's just checking. He's like, is the Drake going for a swim? Wait, no. What kind of check do I need to make for the Drake? Is it an Arcana? Because I don't have that. Knowledge Arcana. Yeah, I don't have that. It's a dragon, you think. Mm, I think it's that guy's pet, so I'm not going to try to be friends with it. How far away is it from me? Not very far. The Drake is 15 feet. You have a natural swim speed, correct? Yep. Okay, you do not need to make a swim check. Oh, what the heck. Let's go for the Hail Mary. I'm going to cast Baleful Polymorph at the Drake. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Make it a little lizard. Uh, Definitely a little lizard. Needs to make a fortitude save. It has a 27. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is made of constitution. I know, but my save is a 22. I mean, it didn't fa- oh, it didn't pass it by like a yeah, crap Yeah, there was a ton. chance of it failing it pretty good there. There was actually a decent chance, but yeah. You gesture out a hand, call upon your power. It kind of stares down at you. For a moment, you think as the scales change color slightly. Mm. Crap. Vasika takes a deep breath in and ducks under the water. <laughs> Wait, can't you Smart. breathe underwater? Or do you, no, you, you I don't have a... Gill breathing, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Narmer just clings to your back. Yep. Hasika's like, ah, spell. Oh, that didn't work, duck. Citra <laughs> Nahamra. Uh, as you hit the water and sink down, your feet hit hit sediment and you're able to kick off. Uh, again, you're standing in five feet deep water. I mean, I'm five, six. Yeah, so you can tilt your head up some and, you know, nose and mouth are over or above water. Well, I'm going to move toward the shore. I need to get the frick out of the water. All right, so it's a difficult terrain, so it take you 10 feet of movement to exit the oasis, and then you can move normally. Okay. <laughs> it's a surprise attack. Just remember that. Yeah. Yeah, so. Oh, that's, I got out of the water. You have 20 feet of movement remaining. Um, I don't know if I really want to go anywhere yet, <laughs> uh, but I guess I'll start moving around the oasis toward Drake. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Citra splashes out of the water, probably glances back over towards... Masika, who seems to be 100% okay with this, as she sleekly slides beneath the waves. (laughs) And Sudi, who bursts from the water's surface, spitting and hissing as he begins splashing (laughs) wildly. Why y'all gotta do do Sudi that way, man? Speaking of, Sudi Kantar. Ah, Sudi. All right, so how deep am I at? Because I'm like dead Uh, center in this pool. There's a, you're at 10 feet of depth. So when you splash, you're beneath the water's surface, but you can uh, still make a swim check to move. Okay, let's try a swim check. All right. Okay, I get a six, so that gives me a 13 swim check. Okay, yeah. Wunderbar. One qu- what is one quarter of my speed? Ten feet. Okay. So, yeah, um, you can swim ten feet at that point. All right. Uh, is ten feet enough? No, ten feet's not enough for me to get out of this yeah, it is. pool. And next, 
Can I get on the other side by any chance? Because Citra's already going that way. Mm. No? No. You could get to okay. there. You could get to the point where you're... You could either circle left of the drake and be waiting in the, the shallow waters, or you could circle right of the drake and exit the pool. Uh, you know what? I'll wait in the sh- in the shallows there, and then next round I can step up and get it. Okay. So Sudi begins to power its way forward. Don't you have a rank and swim, or...? Oh, yeah. Was that... Okay. I have exactly one rank and swim. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sudi grew up in the docks of Wati, so he's got a little yeah, bit of experience like, in the water. He's probably not a great swimmer because he tries to avoid swimming, but, like, he learned at least, you know, the basic principle of do this to tread water, do this to move away. Yeah. He knows the he knows a kitty paddle and makes his way over. <laughs> from Sudi, from Sudi, we go to round one of combat. Hollis Starkweather. Hollis needs the water. to get out of the water. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to have to swim. Am I in the deep part? You're in the deep. You're in the deep part. You will need to make a swim check. There's also a battering as uh, your chicken's little holder thing begins to flood since you didn't cork <laughs> her up beforehand. Oh, oh no! no. Sure. I didn't mean to fall into the water. I got a 10. 10? A 10 succeeds, allowing you to move one quarter of your movement speed. Thankfully, it's placid water. Uh, I have a 35-foot movement speed, so a quarter so five of that feet. is... Five whole feet. Cool. I want to be where I can stand up. So if I go to the shallow part with with Masika, I can stand up and breathe just fine. Yeah, in essence, you can splash your way backwards to where Citra was, but unlike Citra, you're like six feet tall, so your lanky legs hit the bottom and you stand up. I'm 6'2", and then I want to look at this drake. What is this? Pull your hat off as all the water goes splashing down from underneath the hat. Uh, bring my bag over up towards out the of the water. <laughs> bring, bring sugar up out of the water. This is uh, unacceptable. I'm sorry. There's a lot of bok bokking going on. <laughs> You're 31 on my arcana check to know what this thing is. 31, you look back over your shoulder at a desert drake. Hmm. A desert drake is amongst the fiercest of their kinds. Oh, desert great. drakes exhibit a lust for destruction as merciless as any desert storm. These fierce ambush predators hunt by finding high perches amongst rocky outcroppings and surveying their surroundings. When likely prey wanders into sight, a desert drake dives into the sand and burrows towards its quarry or flies low with cover from dunes or other outcroppings. Drawing near the likely path of its victim, it bursts from the sands and dives from above to catch foes off guard, preferring to attack targets that exhibit the most fear first. Before enemies can recover from initial onslaught, a desert drake exhales a cloud of electrified dust using its superior senses to press the attack. Mated pairs of the desert drakes hunt larger prey. Blah, blah, blah. Cool. You may ask two questions pertaining towards the desert drake. Special attacks. Special attacks. Uh, First off, they possess an ability, and to be fair, you did manage to get past a couple of these things by dimension dooring in here, so all is not lost. Uh, First off, they have a dazzling emergence. During a surprise attack round, a desert drake can use dazzling display as a standard action. Oh, cool. Um, in essence, as an intimidation check against everything around it. Hmm. They also have push, which is part of their tail slap, hmm. which allows them to uh, make a free combat maneuver with its tail slap and subject that creature to a bull rush. So in essence, it can use its tail slap to knock enemies away from it. Uh, in addition to that, they have a sandstorm breath where it can excel a uh, spit a ball of electrically charged sand that bursts into a cloud, dealing both regular damage as well as electricity damage in a 15-foot radius spread. Mm-hmm. The cloud then remains and other and acts uh, deals no further damage, but acts as an obscuring mist. Wonderful. Spread out. In addition to that, they also have a special ability just referred to as a savage bite, 
where a Desert Drake applies one and a half times its strength modifier to damage dealt with its bite attacks, and it threatens a critical on a 19 to 20. Great. So it has a really painful bite. You have one question remaining. Well, I guess we'll just go with the defenses as well. What special defenses does it have? Uh, It is a dragon, and therefore it gets standard dragon protections, immunities, and so on, which basically includes sleep and paralysis. In addition to that, uh, it has a resistance to electricity. Dang it. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, that's sad for Citra. Well, you can stab that Ifrit just fine. All right. Cool. Uh, I guess I'll be like, hey, it's going to bite you hard and hit you with its tail and push you around. Also, spread out because it will hit us with electricity. Narmer is vulnerable to electricity, so yeah. Uh, Yeah, We're also in water. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. Also I'm not loving thing. it, but I can't go any further. Hollis uh, looks up at the Efreet. He's not more than 200 feet away from me, is he? No, he's approximately 60 feet away. Cool. She looks up and she casts Icy Prison. He needs to make a reflex save. <laughs> nice. Very Interesting. nice. All right. Came out of ultimate magic. Fifth level spells, y'all. Mm, this probably isn't going to cut it. That's a 19. He fails. Yes! <laughs> nice. Let me tell you what happened. Nice. First of all, it's an evocation spell, so Hollis is going to get some temporary hit points equal to the uh, damage dice that I would roll for this. Oh, I don't nice. roll any damage dice, so none. Oh. Uh, second of all, <laughs> you trap the target in solid ice, one inch thick per caster level, so 10 inches thick. Wow. If it fails its save, it is helpless, but it can still breathe. And... It didn't make it safe, so that doesn't matter. It takes one point of cold damage per caster level. Each round, it is helpless or entangled in the ice. The ice has a hardness zero and three hit points per inch of thickness. If broken, the creature is freed. It can attempt a full round action uh, strength check on its turn to get out of it, etc. Jesus. Whoa. Fifth level, baby. Wow. I got two of those. (laughs) Also a cone of cold. Somebody came prepared today. I was ready. Holosator Wheaties. Holosator Wheaties. Although she might get shocked to death in a second here. <laughs> oh, wait. I have energy absorption. I'll be yeah, fine the like, first time. Yeah, you're going to be fine. The rest of us are going to be in trouble. I'm out of the water. I told y'all to get. It's the best I could do. And also, I neutralized it free. You're welcome. For now, anyway. Yep. He also has a vulnerability to cold, so that's not pleasant. And he's going to hang out as long as he hangs out in there. And this does last a minute per level. Uh, unless he can break free, he's going to take that 10 points of damage every round. Nice. So let's deal with the Drake first. Sounds good. <laughs> that was kind of the plan anyway. Speaking of the Ifrit, uh, is there a strength check to break this? It is. It is 15 plus my caster level. So it's a 25 strength check to get out. Dang. It's well, it's outside it's, of the realm of possibility. It's like 10 inches of ice on him. Yeah. I like wizards, I think. <laughs> wizards are a lot you, of fun. You, yeah. you get a lot of flexibility. Ooh, at ninth le- a ninth level version is icy prison mass. Put everybody in the cold prison. Put everybody in a prison. And you can you can say everyone chill out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! <laughs> he is in essence paralyzed in there. He does, however, generate one d six points of fire damage at all times against anything he touches. Mm-hmm. That's why I yeah. told you the hit points. So yeah. So yeah, he steadily begins melting it. If it's a d6, he'd have to roll five sixes to get out in five rounds. Just throwing that out there. Yep. I thought about it, maybe. That's how the math works. Uh, yeah. Very well. So the ice slightly melts as he begins to burn inside of that, but uh, he is otherwise still imprisoned. Yep. Cool. Masika. Alright, Masika is gonna pop out from 
underneath the water. <laughs> All is just like, get, get, there's electricity coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cloud of electricity. I don't know if it actually penetrate the water. It's water. Uh, I don't know. A Probably not. Actually, I, th- I don't, I think we had this debate once. Well, if it's electricity in my head, it should just shock anything in the water. So get out of the water. Yep. But it gives me cover. Um, <laughs> Masika's got one more baleful polymorph, so screw it. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, they said it was in the realm of possibility. Uh, yeah. So, you know. All right. Turn it into a lizard. I kind of hope fun. you pull this off. <laughs> I know, it'd be amazing. And by kind of, I mean, I really hope you pull this off. I mean, again, it's within the realm of possibility, but... Yeah, I mean, why not? So, Drake gets a 25. Dang it. All right. uh, Masika will sigh. All right, I'm out of those. Um, Most of my stuff is cold for the Efreets, and they're not here yet except for the Ice Cube. Does he take additional... Does he take additional damage from other things while he's in this Ice Cube? No, he's given full cover. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, then, uh, yeah, Masika's just going to duck back under, take a deep breath and duck back under the water. Paul's like, you're right next to me. We've never gotten to see her so happy in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get hit with this electricity, Masika. Citra Nahamra. Uh, I am going to close the distance on Drakey Drake. I'll move my way around the oasis edge, and I will slice down at it, I guess. Okay. It actually hasn't gone yet, so... Get that well, sneak I attack. A, I rolled a 17. All right. So Citra dives forward to the attack. Swings. Three, 17 plus 15 is a... 32. 32 will strike your target as you bring your blade to bear, slicing into the thing. I get... I you don't get critical some. on a 17, do you? No, I critical on an 18. Ah. I know, it was real sad. Is the electricity going to do anything to him? Like, should I even Mm-mm. bother rolling that? Immune. No. No, he's resistant. He's not That's immune, but he's so resistant that D6 isn't going to do anything. I, need- I do 22 points of damage. Nice. Ouch. I would like to do a debilitating injury upon him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel's so polite with that. If you don't mind, I would like to debilitate your would enemy. Would you possibly be de- debilitating <laughs> um, the I'm injured. sorry about your dragon, but now I'm going to stab him in the kidney. What do you guys want me to do to him? <laughs> Laura's AC. Oh, AC? Yeah. AC, because I can, or I can slow him down, but I don't know if that'll really do a whole lot. Nah, slowing him down is probably not going to work. Just lower his AC. Lower his AC, minus two for everyone else, minus six for me. Very well. So you bury your blade into the drake, bringing us to the dragon. Uh Uh-oh. It, in its surprise, rears back, spreading out its wing as your blade slices into this. It then takes in a deep breath, staring down. Uh-oh. Looking down, mostly straight down towards Sudi, wading his way out of the water in front of the dragon. Hey, I haven't even done anything yet to you, sir. Yet. <laughs> and in Draconic, which yet. I think actually only Hollis understands. Hey, I know that. I don't speak that. Aaron, I will add you to my slaves. He then rears up, takes in a deep breath as he sucks sand and electricity into his maw. And I will need Sudi Kantar to make me a reflex save. Sweet. Next time. Uh, what? No! Uh, no, I need to know what Alron is, though. That, I think that means like the, cat, the cat. It's cat folk. It's cat folk. Oh, oh, okay. It's just like cat folk. Okay.